everybody. This is pop culture critic John Tatey welcoming you back to Pop Mom, the smash hit podcast where culture is relative. Yes, it's time again for my mom, Bonnie Tatey, to share her view of pop culture, small town life, and the riddles of human nature. On this episode, Mom reviews the British documentary, Tea with the Dames. Let's bring Mom in now. Hi, Mom. Hi, Johnny. Boy, we're pretty sick we of each other, talk. aren't we? We just... Uh, I know. We're just gonna, <laughs> we just spent so much time together. But fortunately, mostly it was the children screaming and yelling, so we really didn't get much time to talk. Yes. Isn't that fortunate, though? Yeah. It was so. It was fun to be there. I finally got my picture taken at the Bean. Oh, I didn't know you went to the Bean. Yeah. Now, describe for people who don't know, describe the Bean. It is the most absurd thing I've probably ever seen. I just, I don't understand it. There's tons of people milling in and around it, all taking the picture. Yeah, but tell people what it is, Ma. It's a big silver bean. It's a huge, big silver bean. Huge sculpture. Um, this metallic, it's called Cloud Gate because it reflects uh, all the sky and the skyline in it, but it has become better known here in Chicago as the bean. Oh. But apparently mom was just dazzled by the fact that people were taking pictures of it, so that's something too. <laughs> well, I just wonder if we were still using film, if there would be so many pictures being taken there. Probably not. However, some of the redeeming qualities are that it's near not only a Garrett's popcorn, which I do enjoy, but also a Stan's donut. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love those Stan's donuts, although those square ones, I don't need a square donut. Well, that was not a, that was not a donut. That was a crow nut. Oh, I see. When, and so when it's fresh, it's very delightful. When it's two days old, it is not as delightful. Well, that goes for most donuts, I'd imagine, although I'll still eat them. Yeah, that, that, is, that is a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. And you like the glazed. You're kind of you're kind of a, a fuddy dud when it comes to to donuts. Um, I I object to that. All right. What is your most outrageous? Just because I don't like a square, <laughs> my most outrageous donut flavor flavor that you would choose. Hmm. You know, I like a glazed. Yeah, yeah. That was my point. That was my point exactly. Boston cream, uh, if I'm in an extreme mood. If I've been a very good boy, I'll have a Boston cream. Yeah, I don't like that runny cream. Or a jelly-filled. I love a jelly-filled. That's pretty outrageous, yeah. isn't it? Jelly-filled. I like that. How about how about this? Vanilla cream and jelly-filled. Thank you it's very much. It's guaranteed to make you go to the dry cleaners. Because <laughs> some part of it always blops out onto your hands. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly what it does. Blop. Yep. It does. But, you know, I found out we have another one uh, among our ranks. Another what? Do you know who that is? Another one what? Donut lover. (laughs) Yeah, who is that? Leo. Leo, the three-year-old boy? Yeah. Yes. What a shock that he loves a donut. Well, you know, Eve liked it, but Leo really liked it. Um, I just like when I got out the knife to cut a, you know, try to surreptitiously cut a piece. He said, I want a whole one. <laughs> he knows what that no knife cut. is for and he wants no part of it. Don't cut that donut. Yeah. No cut, he said. No cut. No cut. 
Um, so was that the highlight of your Chicago trip? The highlight of my trip was, is always the children, the grandchildren. Yeah. So, you know, that, but aside from that, we got to be on the radio again. Yes. Uh, and I have a question for you. Okay. We were on the WGN radio. I go on there almost every week. Uh, if you happen to live in the greater Chicagoland area, you can hear me most Tuesday nights on the Patty Vasquez show. And mom joined and me this week, and you have a question about the experience, mom. I do. But first, let me say, hmm. Patty, Patty runs a very dynamic show. Yes. It's, uh, she's a sharp woman and very knowledgeable, and she has a great sense of humor. And I really wish I could hear her show, especially when you're on it. I, I really would like to hear that. Hmm. That's not a question, though. No, my question was, did you think I behaved badly? <laughs> no, of course not. You were great. You were great. Well, some some people in my home area thought that perhaps calling the comedian on his status of aficionado was bold. Okay. That was that for a great sentence. So, let's see. Okay, so uh, we were on the show. Uh, also on, I guess this is why mom was referring to the dynamic nature of the program. Uh, joining us as guests on the show was uh, this comedian, Paul Farvar, and uh, perfectly delightful guy. I've been on the radio with him before. I like him a lot. Obviously, Patty likes him. Um, and so mom and I, if you remember from last week, we did the game show bracket here on the podcast. And basically we went on the radio and did a little chit chat. And then we went through the same game show bracket with the people in the studio and encouraged people to call in with their picks. We're doing this bracket. And when we start out, the comedian here, Paul says, oh, I'm so into this. I'm a game show aficionado. Um, and then we get into the bracket and like, he's never, what was it? Match game. He's never even heard of. Is that right, mom? Never heard yeah. of Match Game. Now, that's fine. Not all of us have heard of Match Game. There's always someone who hasn't heard of the thing that you're into. That's cool. We love to welcome new people into the group, right? I love introducing something to someone. But, Mom, you pointed out that he did bail himself as an aficionado, right? That's my point. And then he's sitting there complaining about the fact that he's never heard of this Match Game and that we didn't have Press Your Luck on there. You know, what if he had described himself as a fan? Would you have let that slide? Oh, yeah. Right? Yes, of course. But So yeah. mom called him out, but playfully on the fact that he was a uh, game show aficionado who had not heard of these uh, quite popular game shows. Let me play a little bit of it right now, in fact, for the listeners Great here. Bracket. That makes it SNL skit. Oh, yeah. Good Ooh, call, yeah. Patty. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I just want to go back to one point here, is that you misled us into thinking that you were a game show aficionado <laughs> and... You didn't even know Match Game. I didn't know the name, and uh, I am going to respectfully disagree with you, Bonnie. Because I'm calling you on your. Stuff. I think that's uh, that might be before my timeline of <gasps> when I was game show game showing. It's still on though. No, that. Does... Oh, is it still on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Right. Well, there so... is a version on now. It was off for a long time, so we it, can forgive Paul. It's the show I thought the... the one with Alec Baldwin was called something else. I do know that show, and I know the what you guys are talking there you about. Go. With so Gene you know Rayburn, Match Game, but I didn't. I didn't watch it because I don't think there was 
that show in the late 80s, early 90s. No, mm-hmm. no. So, it was the one where we, the microphone was really long and skinny with the little mushroom right. tip. Yeah. It was but it was strange. before <laughs> they didn't have something with uh, during my time frame. All right, well, I just want to say, aficionado then, I'm mm. sorry, that does not apply to you because you have to know the history. Okay, okay. okay, can, okay. I, can I He's interject? He's our fellow guest. Uh, if someone is a Cubs She's fan, right. what are you well, talking about? I disagree, and I'm going to defend myself She's on it. She's absolutely correct. Yeah, um, and it was a delightful moment. Patty loved it. Mixing it up. No, that's what you're supposed to do. I was very proud of you, okay. in fact, for just being yourself, and that's what you're supposed okay. to do. All right. Good job. I wasn't sure, because I thought, you know, maybe we're just supposed to be very polite, and nah, but it, it no. just kind of niggled at me. Um, you know, and then he made some analogy about baseball and I thought, man, I'm just going to have to take this guy out. And then, you know, some cold water was thrown and everybody calmed down. (laughs) It was was fine after that. But, but I also want to say, um, picking pressure luck as your favorite all time game show is akin to raving about gas station sushi. Well, I think Press Your Luck is better than gas station sushi, but uh, everybody has their taste. There's no accounting for taste, but I'm with you. All right. I'm with you. Okay. All Um, right. And speaking of throwing, you know, when we were on the radio and I was sort of sticking up for Paul, you know, I was just sort of playing my role in that segment. You you know? Right. I understand. I'm the straight man in that particular dynamic, right? So I wasn't, it was all for the listeners. But then I thought, well, you're be- me. You're behaving badly. You're behaving like a child, and your son is acting like a grown-up. Get your shit together. That's what I felt like. No, that's the segment went great. If people want to listen to it, um, search for um, John Tady Game Show Bracket WGN Radio, and it'll come up. Got it, everybody? Just search for John Tady, WGN, Game Show Bracket. Any order of those words, and it's, the segment should cut up and come up, and you'll hear Mom on the radio. It went great. You did a great job, Mom. Um, I'm sorry that you have ever had any doubts that would nag at you, but put them aside, please. Okay. I always have doubts. Well, as we heard uh, in the Tea with the Dames documentary, that's just part of being on stage or being on the air or on film, right? You always have right. a little bit of doubt. Right. How is being, I want to ask you a question about the radio. How is the um, radio, now that you've done it a couple times, different from uh, the podcast? And I think I asked you this last time, but now you're an old hand. How do you feel about it? I'm an old hand. Well, there's certainly an energy. There's certainly an energy in the radio station. I was startled when the guy from the control room, you know, piped in. And then I realized he's, he's listening. He's producing if you will, mm-hmm. the show. Yep. And that was a different concept to get used to that, that, you know, I'm just looking at you and Patty and Paul and forgetting that there's listeners and there's people even in the building that are listening. And it's just a very odd feeling. Given that though, there's a lot of energy that really makes your brain sharp. I think. Yep. That's right. I think it could go in either direction. I think it could turn to mud, but fortunately for the times that I've been there twice, it has made sparks instead of mud. So, <laughs> yes, yes, it has. Yes, it has. Does that make those, sense? Those are the two 
options on the transmogrifier. I'm picturing like a Calvin and Hobbes cardboard box. Sparks or mud? Mom has had to dial the sparks both times. Um, I'm sure there's some in between. I haven't experienced anything but the sparks, you know, being able to pull that right word out of the thin air and it just worked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think we should get our own radio show. I would enjoy that. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Now, when we went to the radio, you were wearing this uh, T-shirt. It has a four-leaf clover on it, and it says, sheesh. Now, what on earth is this shirt? Um, are you sure it was a four-leaf clover? It looks like a four-leaf clover to me. Is it, you think it's just a shamrock? Maybe it is just a shamrock. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's a Celtics shirt or... Or if it was a St. Patrick's Day shirt, I do believe it was a St. Patrick's Day shirt. And I asked several people, what does this T-shirt mean? And nobody seems to know. So I I don't know what it means. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> oh, so you did buy this. You bought the shirt. I bought it because I thought it was funny. But I don't know why. You don't know what it means. Okay. I just found it funny because in the little picture they took of us after our radio appearance with Patty, the host, you two are in the front. You've got your sheesh t-shirt on. Did you see what t-shirt, what it says on her t-shirt? It says, no. nah. <laughs> so we had sheesh and nah. Oh, that's hilarious. I'm going to have to print that out. That's funny. That's so funny, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's, well, I wish I had had, what could it, what could have been on mine? Uh, Nah. Eh. Blah. <laughs> eh, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> what are the chances of these? Anyway, maybe nobody finds this entertaining but me, but I just keep looking at this picture that they put on the WGN that's website funny. of our appearance, and uh, yeah, sheesh <laughs> is right next to nah. Will you point that out to her next time you see her? I will. I'll tell her. I'll tell her. Huh, should we uh, move on to our review here, Mom? Uh, we should. Do you have anything else for the front of show? No, but um, I would tell people if you're in the area and you can hear Patty, you should definitely tune in and listen when, especially when Johnny is on the show and you'll enjoy it and you'll enjoy it sometimes when he's not on the show. (laughs) Yes, sometimes. Okay. This week we are talking about Tea with the Dames, four greats of the British theater Eileen Atkins, Joan Plowright, Maggie Smith, and Judy Dench have a long-standing tradition to reunite each year at a country cottage in Sussex. There they trade stories from their decades of experience on stage and on screen. Amid these reminiscences, we get not only moments of humor, but also insights into the anxieties of life as a performer and, at times, glimpses of regret. Here's a clip in which Maggie Smith talks about being asked about her funeral arrangements. I don't like it when people ask if you've sorted your funeral out. Oh, Lord. Do you remember Miriam asked you that, Miriam Margulies? Because she said... She's got a lot to sort out. She'd sorted it all out and knows exactly what she's going to do. And then she said to you, have you? And you said, no, I have not. And she said, why? And you said, because I'm not going to die. (laughs) Which I know is true. Talk, it? Tea with the Dames is available to stream on Hulu and to rent Hulu. Tea with the Dames is available to stream on Hulu and to rent from many other large corporations. You might also find it listed under Nothing Like a Dame, which is its original title, 
or at least in the UK. Mom, did tea with the dames leave you breaking out the crumpets? I'm sorry, what was the question? I said, did tea with the dames leave you breaking out the crumpets? No. No? You didn't enjoy this? I did enjoy it. Oh, you did? But okay. Yeah. I certainly did. I thought it was very low-key. Yeah. I thought it was really classy, and I enjoyed it thoroughly for what it was, but it didn't, it wasn't quite what I expected. I thought they would be more forthcoming with stories and yeah. anecdotes, and it it didn't really deliver in that department for me. I enjoyed watching four friends sitting together and chatting. Um, I guess they're all about the same age, but some are in better health than others and some are sharper than others. And um, it, you know, it was sort of like a, 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 like a mini class reunion would be that there's, you know, all different within the group. Yeah. They talked about all sorts of things. They're, roles and their family and but there were very few you know hijinks in there or I think there were a couple of private jokes maybe that I that I didn't get and I found it a a little took me a little time to get the language down I know it's English but to get their accents and such we had to put the subtitles on a couple times ourselves yeah yeah but I enjoyed the pacing of it and I thought it was edited very well you know, they're sassy, they're funny, they're... But the thing I really came away with was, you know, people today say so much how we don't value our elders and, you know, it's all about the youth. Well, it's always been about the youth and it'll always seem like that. Mm. But at one point, my grandmother sat down and wrote about six pages, six, ten pages on a legal size tablet of paper and hand wrote it all out her history and something about her wedding she gave birth to six boys and a little bit about her life and it it's um it took her quite a bit of time to do it and i think that this was like a little capsule of mm. that yes. you know these are all somebody's mother and probably grandmother and to me it was priceless in that regard. Yeah, I just, I the whole time, Mom, I was like, boy, I'm sure glad they made this movie because here are yeah. some memories of a specific, um, exciting uh, place and moment in the culture. I mean, the way they talk about being in these Shakespearean plays, you can tell that it was really a bigger part of the cultural scene in Britain than maybe it is now. Right. I don't know. I you know right. I don't live there, but I'm I'm guessing, and I got the vibe from the film that this was, uh, this was a high point for uh, the stage, uh, and it was seen on television. Yeah. So, I love that they captured that. There's just a there are these sweet memories of an energy, and but like I said in the intro, I think what really got me and the part that maybe defied my expectations because I went in expecting something, a real trifle, and frankly was looking for one after last week. Yeah. I wanted something yeah. easy that wasn't going to be like a 10 episodes or whatever, right? right. Um, which this certainly is. It's not a terribly challenging film. 
but it did have that those notes of anxiety and of I mean, what about when Judy Dench? You know, it's sort of a trite question. What advice would you give to your younger self? And most yeah. of them manage yeah. mildly interesting answers. And then Judy Dench says that her advice is to not be so susceptible to falling in love. And the rest of the dames, you know, say, oh, why would you say that? You know, they're, they're, they express these very romantic sentiments. And Judy Dench just sits yeah. there shaking her head, trying to contain herself. And yeah. I mean, I wish she had told that story, but even yeah. without her telling it, suddenly there was this added layer to this person who, yes, we tend to observe from a great remove. I mean, they're right. not royalty, right. but they, I mean, I guess technically they are, but you know what I mean. They're, they're, yes. they're dames. They're billed as dames in this movie and they're put on a, a pedestal. They're so yeah. human at times in this film. That's right. And that, and that was one of the comments that I wrote down was that you could just see her leaving the arena in her mind. You could see her walking down um, her memory lane uh, and you could feel it. And maybe we didn't even need to know the story. I could feel it so strongly. Agreed. That's human. That's not acting. That's human. And I love that kind of stuff. Well put. Because you're so vulnerable. Yeah. And I, but I have to think that that informs her acting even in, you know, I picture her in, like, she plays M in the James Bond movies, right? Right. And she plays an M with, you know, they all have this sort of uh, steely, stiff upper lip exterior, but she plays an M who clearly has some pain in her history that has made her what she is, and this is a silly role, right? I mean, James Bond is not the most serious filmmaking, but... Maybe this is dumb, but I made the connection. I just thought maybe that she draws on some of this pain when she's asked in this silly James Bond context to be an M with this depth. You know, we need to see this depth to M. I bring it up because you, you know, you say that's not acting, that's human. I think it's well put, but I also think that their talent is being able to use, um, That humanity. I mean, they talked a couple times about using the anxious energy that they all would experience before, according yeah. to them, any performance, right? And this is another, yeah, I got the sense that it was so, it was like we were glimpsing one of the most potent ingredients on Judy Dench's uh, shelf of acting potions. You know, you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. this question. All part of the craft that you hear about. Yes. That it's a craft and right. you kind of say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's an example of it. Right. That's very insightful, I think. Can I talk about another of my favorite moments? Yeah. I was really spellbound by the part where Judy Dench was talking about getting notes after the first act in a rehearsal. Oh, yes. At the end of the first act of rehearsal of some play. And the director, this uh, esteemed director, goes down the line and, you know, says, oh, nice here. What about this? And, you know, giving notes to each person down the line. Then he comes to her and um, she, as she tells it, he doesn't even say anything. He just sort of gives her a shrug, which how humiliating and intimidating and dispiriting. I just, I just died. Um, And it was a... It was a glimpse into the the agony of being uh, 
an actor, you know, I don't want to call her a struggling actor, but a fledgling actor. Maybe we'll say that. Yeah. Um, yeah. She talks about her co-star finally during one of these notes uh, sessions saying, boy, if she'd done that for me, I would be terribly pleased by that. Meaning if he were directing, yeah. he would be very happy with that performance. Right. Which kind of shut the director up. And when she yeah. tells this story, she she can't tell it without crying. Um, she yeah. talks about what a huge difference that moment made in her life. What a, uh, what a cruel profession it can be. Well, you know that yourself. Well, in a different way. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, they say, you know, you, you, you hear parents saying to parents that act, I don't want my kids to go into this. I know, yeah. you know, don't want them to. <laughs> And there's a reason for that. Yeah, and you think this is the reason? Well, I think it's cruel. I think it is cruel. I think it is hard. I mean, we've heard story after story about people that were told they had little to no talent and, you know, big stars. Uh, Where do you find that intestinal fortitude to uh, go on when when somebody you respect and admire tells you, eh, not so much credit there? Where do you find the fortitude? That's exactly it. And as this movie went along, Mom, I gained respect for the fortitude of these women in the sense that they had managed to form and maintain a sense of self. And I felt like we were watching women who had arrived at the twilight of their lives, as they all admit, with a sense of self intact. And through the stories they tell, that just makes it seem more and more miraculous, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. They really are their very own selves. And to go back to this dichotomy we set up earlier, I thought I was going to gain respect for them as actors, which I guess I did to some degree, but I felt like I gained a lot more respect for them as human beings and for their success as human beings, right? Yes, most definitely for their success. They did not... You know, they were still sitting around this table laughing with each other, gracefully saying this is, you know, this is the twilight. Um, We had our day in the sun and we're very content with what went on. Content and content. You know, it's a good point, Mom, that they are. They're still doing this, still getting together because you could easily see with so much fame and ambition in the mix here. Uh, bitterness setting in or, uh, you know, a competitive spirit, they would sort of joke about, you know, Judy being the, the famous (laughs) getting all the roles, roles, sort of sucking up all the oxygen for, for them. But there was no malice uh, in it. Clearly they, if they ever were competitive, they are no longer. Right. They're comfortable with each other and, and and I think that came through, too, is that they are very comfortable with each other. And I'm sure when the camera wasn't rolling, there was probably quite a lot that would have been interesting. Yeah. The premise of this movie is that they get together every year and chat and reflect, right? Which, I, you know, yeah. I imagine that's true. I don't see any reason to doubt it. But there's an inherent tension in that, which is that we know the cameras are there and we know they're not going to say all the same things, especially these people who have been in front of audiences and cameras all their lives. So I think it was a shrewd choice by 
the filmmakers to include a number of moments where Maggie Smith is bantering with the cameraman or rolling her eyes with annoyance yeah. at, at the crew and uh, making their intrusion explicit. It allowed us to relax as viewers, I think, because yeah. it was everything was on the table and there was no pretense. That was it exactly. It was it was quite um, brilliant in its simplicity. I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's what made it so appealing, and the kind of thing that maybe should you watch it again, you might pick out some different things because I was so busy trying to suck the whole thing in as a whole that maybe looking at it in parts is is a another way to look at it. Perhaps so. You know, it's funny you say that because Anna and I did watch it like a half hour at a time. Um, and it was oh. just a really nice way to end the night for a few nights running. Yes. Yes. That's a nice way to That's, watch it. That, and it is the perfect thing for that. It's yeah. a good way to wind down and and just enjoy. Enjoy and remember to enjoy life. You know, these are people that are saying, yes, people, you all think you're going to live forever, but you're not. And the twilight is not so darn bad. Well, not for these four, it seems. And yes, it gives you uh, optimism for your own future. So uh, I think as you framed it at the beginning, it's right. We'll take it for what it is. This is not a towering work of documentary uh, filmmaking, but it does not uh, claim to be. Uh, So with that in mind, what grade do you give this, Mom? I gave it a B+. B+, oh, so close. Well, I wanted more gossip. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Okay. What do you think is a better okay. title, Tea with the Dames or Nothing Like a Dame, which, like I said up top, is uh, the original title? Well, I, I'm i glad it wasn't called Nothing Like a Dame because I would just be singing that one line, there is nothing like a From dame, South Pacific, because yeah. I don't know any of the other words, and I'd be just singing that one line all day. Yeah. Um uh, it's kind of interesting to me because tea with the dames, it's like the allure there is you're being invited into this elite group, right? But nothing like a dame is kind of playful and jaunty and um, almost taking the regal quality out of this dame title. So it seems like for us Americans, they they elevated it, but for the hometown crowd, they made it a little more jokey, a little more familiar. I didn't notice that. I did notice the two names, but I didn't pay any attention to it. Uh, what is your recommendation this week, Mom? My recommendation is a book called My Sister, the Serial Killer. And it is by... Uh, oh, Yinkin Brathwaite. And Boy, that's our best guess. I'm sure I just was like a lawnmower over that name. I apologize. <laughs> I love it. It's a bit of dark humor. It's about two sisters. One is spoiled and gorgeous, and it's translated from Nigerian. I'm kind of get uh, intrigued with all these books that are um, translated because it gives you an insight into relationships and how they express them in other countries. So that's my... That's my jag right now. Mm. Um, you know, I've done a lot of Japanese ones, but this was a Nigerian one. And it was a very quick read, a great story. You know, one sister is gorgeous, one sister is not so attractive, but, you know, she's a nurse and she's got her act together. And one sister is always looking out for the other. 
One sister is always killing her dates and thus the serial killer. And that's all I'll say. I won't spoil it. But if it's at your library or read it on your Kindle, that I would recommend it. Just, just not, you know, it's not going to change your life, but it's an interesting slice of life. All right. That's my sister, the serial killer. If you want to know who wrote it, Google it. All right. Hey, Mom, I, by the way, I finished all the Girl Scout cookies. Oh, you know, and I never got to try those lemon ones because we didn't have those. Oh, yeah. You don't get the Savannah Smiles while you, where you are? No. Yeah. Well, I plowed through those and the Tagalongs, also known as peanut butter patties, and they were all delicious. <laughs> and that's it till next year. That's it till next year. Boy, I was, I was like a... It was like a Girl Scout cookie eating assembly line in the basement the past couple of weeks. Though You sent me so many boxes, and then I bought the boxes from the girls on the corner around here. Oh, Lord. Well, you, you know, you sort of feel bad walking by them without... You do. You also feel bad after you eat 20 tagalongs, also known as peanut butter patties. <laughs> Those, they sit heavy. I just took a sip of tea right when you said that. But you know what you didn't eat any of? What? <clears throat> Excuse me. The peanut butter. Did you eat any peanut butter candy cakes? Yes, I had. Tasty uh, cake? Yeah, I think I had one of those. I like those. You can't get them here anymore, though. Oh, no, they don't sell Tasty Cakes in New Hampshire? Not anymore. No, they did for a brief stretch, didn't they? They did. I'm hoping they'll be back in the summer. But fortunately, I have someone that can send them to me. Uh, Briefly, before we wrap up, uh, can you tell people what Tasty Cakes are? Because I think most of the country doesn't know. Tasties are a superior form of Little Debbie's or Hostess. Uh, It's snack cakes, pies, and they were in everybody's lunchbox when I was growing up. And in my lunch, when I started packing it myself to go to work. Nice little treat, little cakes, and much better than Hostess or mm. Little Debbie. And good for you, too. <laughs> yeah, it's not good for you. Well, if you're trying to gain weight, they're good for you. That's Tasty Cakes with a K, and I mean a K where you don't expect it, also where you do. <laughs> and they're probably not available in your area, but if you live in the Mid-Atlantic, maybe they are. That'll do it for this week's edition of Pop Mom. Mom and I will be back next week to talk about more pop culture, but... What should we talk about? Uh, How about something interesting? Oh, great. That'll do just fine. So next week, something interesting. You'll want to tune in for that. Hey, thank you for listening. If you enjoy the show, tell your friends. We love you. Mom and I will talk to you again next week. Bye for now, Mom. Bye, Johnny. I love you. Love you, too. Mm -hmm.